Hello there. Hello there. Hello, what have we here? Hello there, and welcome back. Thank you very much for joining me, which is something that I never said to you last week, you know, or... Not last week. That's a classic Daniel mistake right there. Last episode, I never thanked you for joining me, so... Thank you for joining me then, and thank you for joining me now, if indeed you did, and are. Um, but you know what? Funnily enough, I've already said all of this once. In fact, I even made that very same mistake as well when I said last episode. And you know why? It's because I did it again, goddammit. I recorded an entire episode, and that has now been lost to the sands of time, if that's a... Is that a phrase? But anyway, yeah, this episode was supposed to be an audio commentary of Star Wars Clone Wars Volume 1, and that's not The Clone Wars. I'm talking about the 2003 to 2005 micro-series Star Wars Clone Wars, uh, the 2D animated Gendy Tartakovsky-helmed series. Um, And yeah, I did the entire first volume of that as an audio commentary, which is even more annoying because... Doing a commentary was my backup for 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 the like the previous times where this has happened to me, um, but I just went straight in with that commentary and now I've I've lost it. <laughs> um, God, I can't believe that's happened again. So yeah, I mean, I can't really be bothered to talk about uh, the Clone Wars again. I'm not even sure if I'll ever redo an episode on that. I think whenever I want to talk about that again, I'll just go straight into um, volume two. Yeah, but for now, I I just I wanted to put an episode out um tonight today, um, and obviously my plan was for the like I'd I'd fully edited the Clone Wars one as well, but I just couldn't save it. It's a whole thing, but I want to get some kind of episode out. So we're doing this very random little uh, left turn, uh, and I'm talking about Star Wars: The Story of the Faithful Wookiee. Which comes under the new, or maybe not new new so much anymore, but recent uh, Star Wars vintage banner that has sort of been added to Disney Plus recently. And that encompasses um, Clone Wars, uh, which I would rather be talking about right now, um, as well as the Ewoks animated series and the Ewok uh, made for TV films, The Battle for Endor and Caravan of Courage. Um... Yeah, so that's a whole slew of content that I genuinely never thought would see the light of day ever again. I thought they they were also going to be lost to the sands of time. Uh, God, I really hope that's a thing. But yeah, here they are in Disney Plus now. I don't think we'll ever see a home release of any of these things again, but it's just nice to have them available on streaming at least. And yeah, the story of the faithful Wookiee is a nine-minute animated short... Um, that originally aired in 1978 as part of the original Star Wars Holiday Special, the infamous Star Wars Holiday Special, and this um, animated segment is um, regarded by many uh, to be the highlight of that particular special. But I mean, but it's it's pretty slim pickings when you're trying to find the best of the Holiday Special because. This nine minutes was some of the worst Star Wars I've ever seen. Funnily enough, the holiday special itself is not available on Disney Plus right now. I mean, maybe they'll make moves to put it on there a bit closer to the season. Maybe we'll see it at the end of the year. So, yeah, at the moment, the story of the faithful Wookiee is just 
um, by its lonesome as this nine-minute short. I don't know if it was ever referred to as the Faithful Wookiee um, at the time of the holiday special, or if they've done a bit of editing to put... Because there is a title card at the start, but I don't know if that was always the case. Similarly, I know that in the holiday special, it is broken up into two four to five minute parts, I think, just to um, add a bit of suspense throughout the holiday special. But obviously here it is just as the whole extended nine minute thing. So yeah, and but interesting though as well, because this is 1978, the holiday special came out at a time where Star Wars itself was fresh out the womb. Um, so yeah, this is a really strange little insight into just what people kind of thought Star Wars was and would be at a time where nobody really knew the answer to that. Like, what what is Star Wars? I mean, you know, it's firmly established now, you know, even sort of firmly established by the time we get to The Empire Strikes Back. You know, I remember saying in my episodes long ago, the second episode I did, where I, f- I feel like The Empire Strikes Back as a film solidified Star Wars as a brand and kind of introduced tropes and things that we know more so than A New Hope did. And yeah, this is a time before Empire, so enough chatting, let's talk about the story of the faithful Wookiee. Well, it opens with a very Star Trek-esque captain's log of... uh, It's the voice of this character that is revealed to us at the end as Captain... Kazan or something like that, Captain Kazan, um, some guy, he has absolutely no bearing on the story whatsoever, we never see him in the flesh, he's just doing a captain's log, he's like, captain's log, star date, number, 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 uh, and here's a quick little introduction to the episode, and that's, that's his role, and then he kind of comes, he returns in the middle for a bit, he's like, little did we know what Boba Fett's plan was, because Boba Fett's in this, by the way, Uh, and then he comes up at the end as well, and he's like, ah, but we did great, and Merry Christmas, everyone. Um, So, yeah, pretty pointless addition, to be honest, but, um, hey, the Star Trek was a thing at the time, you know, or actually, well, no, it wasn't, 1978, but it, you know, firmly established in popular culture, so... Star Wars is a bit like Star Trek, I suppose. People were probably thinking at the time, so let's have a captain's log. There's mention of a mystical talisman, that is the MacGuffin, for this particular nine-minute short. And C-3PO very matter-of-factly says, it makes things invisible, I think. And then R2-D2 does some little beeps and bloops, and he says, yes, even you. Uh, so that's wild. We have a just a straight-up magical artifact that makes things invisible. We never see it make anything invisible during this nine-minute short, and it also has some other random ability that doesn't really make a lot of sense, but we'll get to later. And yeah, I suppose just straight away as well, I want to mention the animation, because it's it's quite appalling, to be perfectly honest. And especially after coming off of Clone Wars, where we have this unique, just such magnificent art and, and, and this unique art style by Gendi Tartakovsky, where the character designs are all so good and it's just an art style that I 
particularly enjoy and the anim the, the direction of the animation as well was something that really stood out to me when I watched Clone Wars and to come to this <laughs> where the animation is just so I mean it's fluid I'll give it that you know it, it it's there's there's probably a good deal of money behind it to be honest some of that George Lucas money you know coming off of the success of Star Wars I don't doubt that there is actually some talent behind it but just the style is just so unappealing to me everything is so bendy it's almost like this weird psychedelic I don't know like just like R2-D2 is very flexible like he's all wibbly wobbly C-3PO can bend his arms and like roll his fingers and he blinks as well he's got like little window wipers on his eyes it's quite horrifying and then all the character like the human characters are so weird looking like there's this one random dr eggman looking mother and 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 then we've got luke who has these giant eyes and then leia who i mean she looks fine, to be honest. She's barely in it. We get to Han Solo later on, and poor Harrison Ford. He's been given this this horse face, this long, <laughs> ugly visage, um, and his eyes are just permanently closed. I don't know who they were looking at to base their uh, Han Solo on, but it certainly wasn't Harrison Ford. But yeah, the, the art style does not appeal to me at all. In terms of the plot, Captain Kazan on his Starlog does introduce us to the idea of this mystical talisman that turns things invisible. And then there is a a FaceTime from Chewbacca, who is piloting the Millennium Falcon, and we see in the background that Han Solo is strung up upside down, just in like the hallway or whatever of the Millennium Falcon. And obviously no one can understand Chewie and Luke and Leia are like, why the hell is Han up like that? What the, What's going on? And then to make things worse, apparently Chewie's on a collision course uh, to this base that Luke and Leia are on, or, or where, wherever they are. I don't know if it's maybe a, a ship, but it's not important. The point is, Chewie's coming and he's going to crash into them, and good lord. But don't worry, because that doesn't happen, and it is resolved with no resolution whatsoever as far as I can remember. I literally just watched this thing, and it wasn't even ten minutes long, so I hope to God I didn't miss or forget anything, but I'm pretty sure that this whole business with Chewie about to collide into wherever they are is just immediately dropped with no resolution whatsoever. So that's good. Luke, 3PO, and R2 then all hop into a Y-Wing, which I appreciate. I love it when the Y-Wings get a bit of love, and follow Chewbacca to wherever he's going. He lands on some moon, but just before he does, um, he starts shooting at Luke in the Y-Wing, and 3PO's obviously like, oh my god, Chewie's shooting at us. Why is he doing that? And Luke's like, don't worry, I know he's shooting at us, but he's not trying to kill us because Chewie is a much better shot than that. And that's never addressed again either. I don't know why Chewie was shooting at them, I don't know what purpose it served, um, but yeah, thank God he didn't he didn't hit them because they would be dead. So yeah, they all land on this this moon and they land in this is this kind of sticky purple sea and the sky is green. I think from what I can remember, it's pretty intense. Um, 
a big creature comes up from the ocean and is about to start chomping on them, but who comes to the rescue? Well, it's none other than Boba Fett, who is making his first appearance in the Star Wars galaxy. Can you believe it? He did it in this absolute pile of shit. <laughs> um, God. And to be fair, I mean, Boba Fett's probably the best thing about the episode. He's got a cool voice. I don't know who voices him. There's no credits on this thing. I do believe it's the same voice that would go on to voice him in The Empire Strikes Back, but obviously he was then later replaced by Tamara Morrison when, you know, once we get to the prequels. So I don't know who the guy is, but he's got a cool voice. Uh, Boba Fett is, like I said, the highlight of the whole thing. He zaps the monster with a kind of fork-like weapon that would of course, go on to inspire the very weapon that the Mandalorian himself uh, carries, that, like, you know, that disintegrator gun, but he also uses it to zap a big monster in the first episode of that, so even 40 years later, 40 plus years later, the holiday special is still being referenced. And yeah, so then Boba Fett's, like, riding this thing, and Luke is all like, oh, thank you, stranger, you must be nice, and Boba Fett's like, yeah, I am nice. He keeps calling everyone friend. He finishes every sentence with the word friend, um, which does get quite annoying after the second time he does it. And yeah, Luke's all like, well, we're just um, trying to find our friend who crashed here. And Boba Fett's like, yeah, I saw that ship. Come with me. And then Luke just lets him onto the Millennium Falcon. Um, then Luke falls asleep. And then Boba Fett ropes up Chewie and is like, why the hell is Luke asleep now, friend? What did you do to him? And then someone is like, oh, it's the mystical talisman, you know, the one that turns people invisible. Well, it it emits this sleeping virus. And the only way to save people from the sleeping virus, I mean, is to get an antidote for it, which they, they do, but they also need to hang them upside down by their legs to allow blood to rush to their heads, which is why Han Solo is strung upside down. It's also why Luke is now strung up upside down next to him. Um, and yeah, then Boba Fett is all like, oh, the Empire uses this sleeping virus, which I don't understand because it came from this mystical talisman, right? Unless it's a trick and Boba Fett put Luke to sleep himself. Maybe I'm not giving this thing enough credit and actually... I was fooled along with the characters. But either way, somewhere along the line, we are led to believe that this talisman has put Han and Luke to sleep. And there should be an antidote in the city, which is under Imperial control on this planet. Um, so Boba Fett's all like, I'll go get the antidote. Don't don't you worry about it. And then Chewie's like, no, I'm coming with you. And he's all like, I'd much rather if you didn't come with me. But Chewie's like, no, I'm going to come with you because I don't trust you, Boba Fett. So then he's like, oh, fine. So then they go to the city together, um, and then Boba Fett does a little sneak off. He's like, I'll be right back, Chewie. Don't, don't, don't even worry about it. I'll go get the antidote. And then he goes to this little uh, view screen things, and who, who does he call? It's Darth Vader. Boba Fett is evil. But meanwhile, back on the Millennium Falcon, C-3PO is just randomly like, yo, R2, fire up the view screen, boy. Let's see what's going on. And then we just see on the view screen that C-3PO and R2-D2 are looking at the same image of Darth Vader that Boba Fett is talking to. And then we get like a shot reverse shot of Boba Fett and Darth Vader talking on C-3PO and R2-D2's view screen. So I don't know how, what they tapped into to just access that communication like that, but they do. 
and they find out that Boba Fett is evil, big shock. But then I guess he gets the antidote anyway. I mean, he has to, because Chewie's with him. And I can't even remember why the hell he calls Darth Vader. I think it must be to do with the amulet. Oh my god, I just watched this thing and it's gone, like, through one ear and out the other and just, like, left my memory entirely. He must be after the amulet, surely. So I think he calls Darth Vader and he's like, I know where the amulet is, I'll get it, don't you worry about it. So then they go back to the ship, but C-3PO and R2-D2 very casually, very calmly, like, no rush whatsoever to deliver this information, tell Luke and Han once once they're cured of the upside down sleeping disease that Boba Fett is in is in league with Darth Vader and then it just cuts to Boba Fett like very slowly just edging out of the Millennium Falcon it looks like it should be playing like the Pink Panther music over it it's very humorous and then he just kind of leaves and then Luke and the gang are fine with it um and then they just they fly away and they're like, man, I can't believe we didn't, we didn't suspect Boba Fett. And then C-3PO is like, well, there was one person who suspected Boba Fett all along, and that's Chewie. And I guess that's why it's called the story of, of the faithful Wookiee. And that's that. Captain Kazan ends us with a, another bit of a star log. He says the day is saved or something. And yeah, that's, that's that. I guess it had to be, like, a story that kind of bigs up Chewie because it's all about, like... The holiday special is all about Life Day and, like, it's from the perspective of Chewie's family and all that. So I guess it kind of had to give props to the big man, you know? But, um, yeah. God, this was absolute trash. It didn't make a lick of sense. It was absolute nonsense. But you know what? It wasn't an awful way to spend nine minutes, I'll tell you. You know, I had my I had my fun just kind of rolling my eyes at it. Yeah. That's that's the story of the faithful Wookiee from 1978, Star Wars Holiday Special, which is something that I will probably cover coming up to Christmas uh, this year. So I'll have to relive this little animated short all over again when I get to that. But yeah, that was not good. And I'm sorry to just talk about something that I've just completely and utterly ripped apart like that. But obviously, as I've mentioned... This wasn't how I was expecting this episode to go. But you know what? It's actually very apt that we talked about the story of the faithful Wookiee today, because that will lead me into my brand new segment of the show, which I like to call... Wook at this! Wook at that! Wook who's talking. (laughs) The title is a work in progress, and this may or may not be a reoccurring segment, um, depending on how well this goes, but basically... What I'm going to do is I'm going to fire up the fandom app on my phone, and I'm going to go to the Star Wars wiki, Wikipedia, hence the Wookiee-related title of this segment, and I'm just going to hit the button that sends me to a random article, and I'm just going to share some thoughts about whatever comes up. Maybe I'll learn something new, maybe we'll talk about some cool trivia. We'll just see how it goes. I love coming on the Wikipedia app because there's always a... There's always a poll that someone's done, uh, and this one that I've, I'm just looking at right now, I'm already off on a tangent, not even doing what this segment is supposed to be about. Someone said, what do you think is the best way to watch the Skywalker saga, release order or chronological order? 
I personally believe release order. I think it's always good to have context of what came before in a in a real world sense. You know, I think it's good to watch the prequels knowing that what should be chronologically ahead of them were actually films that preceded them. I, I think it's always good to have that, um, I don't know, that context for it. Anyway, uh, release order. 37% of people said release order, but um, the majority, 62%, said chronological. That's interesting. Anyway, hey, maybe I could do a poll <laughs> as, as well as part of this segment. Why not? Now, if I could just remember how on earth to get it to give me a random article. Ah, here we go. Surprise me. <laughs> the first, uh, the first thing that's come up for this first ever uh, part of this new segment is the planet Alderaan. So let's talk about Alderaan. It's a core world. It's part of the Alderaan sector in the Alderaan system. It has no moons. It has one sun. A rotation period is 18 standard hours. So 18 hour days. And an orbital period is 364 days. Very close to our... 365 days on Earth. Ah, but what is, is this the canon version of Alderaan, or is this the Legends? Oh no, this is canon. That's good. Don't want to be talking about something that isn't isn't real, you know? I mean, what can you say about Alderaan? Home to Bail Organa, of course, one of the best characters in Star Wars. Jimmy Smith himself. Obviously, the first planet to ever be destroyed by a Death Star, or Death Star-like weapon, you know, really set the standard uh, that Star Wars would constantly revisit. I mean, to be honest, Alderaan is a planet that I would love to see more of because we get a a very quick glimpse of it at the end of Revenge of the Sith when we see Bale take baby Leia to his wife and is like, this is our new daughter now. I know I didn't discuss this with you, but this is, we are raising a child now. Um, and it's really nice. It's got, like, these nice snowy mountains. It just looks like a very pleasant place to live. Alderaan was known to the galaxy as the Planet of Beauty. Famous natural landmarks of Alderaan included the Cloud Shape Falls and the Isatabith Rainforest. So, yeah, you know, sounds like a nice, a nice place. I bet a lot of this description comes from the Leia Princess of Alderaan book, which is a a book that I do own and would like to read at some point. This is quite interesting. Um, other names that were considered for the homeworld of Princess Leia in early drafts of Star Wars were Organa Major, which is obviously interesting because that would become Leia's surname, Leia Major. That's a joke. Leia Organa, of course. Um, and Utapau, which is a, a name that would later be repurposed for Revenge of the Sith. That's always something I've enjoyed about George Lucas, the the amount of time he holds on to certain tidbits that he comes up with. You know, the fact that Utapau would be the name of the planet over, or not over, but coming up to 30 years after the initial release of Star Wars in the 6th, Star Wars film, you know, it's crazy to me. It, and it's, I can't believe that in early drafts of Star Wars, potentially the first draft, there is a character named Mace Windy, <laughs> which of course later evolved into Mace Windu. Uh, and that was probably the right call, changing that name. But yeah, there we go. That's enough about Alderaan for now. I hope you enjoyed whatever this is called (laughs) and i hope you enjoyed the episode this was very much off the cuff uh and i'm feeling very fired up to be honest i feel i feel like i got unnecessarily angry uh about that 
about that little animated short. But I think I was more so upset about the fact that I've lost yet another episode. So you you got to channel your emotions somehow, and I guess this was my coping mechanism. Um, but yeah, I'll leave it there for now. Hope you enjoyed me talking about, or ranting about rather, the story of the faithful Wookiee from 1978, part of the holiday special. Yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs> Goodbye.